You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to share our week six power rankings and catch up with Ian Rappaport and Willie McGinnis from NFL Network. And Brian, we're going to kick off the podcast today with Fox NFL analyst Chris Spielman. Let's say hello to Chris Spielman, the former All-Pro linebacker who ended his career in Cleveland, now doing a great job working for Fox Sports, getting set to call the game between the Lions and Saints on Sunday. Chris, Brian Weber, Cordell Stewart with you. Thanks for taking the time. How are you doing? Good afternoon, man. I'm doing fine. Thank you. Well, we're talking about Cleveland. You're smarter than us. What's it going to take for this franchise to be at least relevant again? Because we know the whole business model of the NFL is parody. Somebody's gone from worst to first 13 of the last 14 years. Why can't the Browns fix this? Well, I think there are a number of issues. I mean, when you decided to go to the direction of uh, um, a a gentleman who was more of a a cap numbers guy and and do kind of a money ball type thing as far as bringing uh, deep death in there, and then you're not on the same page. I, I think it's essential for a head coach in a front office to be on the exact same page and have the same theories and philosophies of not only how to build a team, but what type of players are needed and wanted. And I just don't think that's uh, been present there. And the other issue is there's no stability at Cordell's position, the quarterback position. There's none, and there hasn't been any in a long time. And so until those two things get worked out completely and stability is, is formed in both those areas, the, the, the struggles will continue. When speaking about the struggles, um, let's start with Coach Hugh Jackson. Um, he's 1-20 as a head coach. Now, some coordinators don't always turn out to be good head coaches. Would you prefer to see him as an offensive coordinator or more of a head coach? Well, and I think when he was with the Raiders, he was 8-8 eight and eight in one year. Uh, I think that's correct. You guys might want to check me on that one. Uh, I, I don't think Hugh Jackson has uh, forgot how to coach. Uh, I do think results matter. We're in a results-oriented business. And so it comes down to um, what Jimmy Haslam says, that I need to overhaul the front office or I need to change coaches again. That's the decision that he has to make. I think Hugh Jackson can coach. Uh, I think the players, from my experience dealing with them in a game last year, that the players still believe in them. And uh, the thing I think he does wrong is when he speaks to the to media, he tries to play it both ways. He was asked a couple weeks ago, one of his press conferences, do you have enough talent to win? He said, that's a Sashi Brown question. You know, instead of uh, having one answer that represents both the front office and the head coaching position. He said uh, 43 or 45 days ago that we're going to live and die with Deshaun Kaiser as our quarterback. Uh, Well, that's not his responsibility to live and die with Deshaun Kaiser as quarterback. His responsibility is to 52 other guys in that locker room, Mm -hmm. the best players to give them the best chance to win. And it's clear that Kevin Hogan right now gives them the best chance to win. And he had to make that change. If he didn't make that change, He's going to lose a locker room because, Cordell, you know, inside that locker room, man, guys aren't blind. Why is this guy playing? He's not getting it done. And every time Hogan's in there, we move the ball at least. 
Taking you around the league with Chris Spielman, thoughtful game analyst for Fox Sports. Chris, since Fox primarily covers the NFC, how do you see the balance of power in that conference? Who's the most impressive team in the NFC in your view so far? Well, Carolina is pretty good. Uh, I had them their first game, and, and Cam Newton struggled that first game, but he was coming off the injury. And right now, uh, to me, he seems to have found his um, his rhythm and his timing with his receivers. I, I think his confidence in his arm and his in his ability is back, and he's had some success. And defensively, they're pretty sharp. Uh, they're really good. And matter of fact, their front seven and their two corners who were rookies last year have improved drastically. So I would probably say Carolina right now. But when I watch Aaron Rodgers, and I don't know what your guys' thoughts are, but he is the best to ever play the position. I'm not saying Thank you, Chris. the greatest or the most successful, but there's there's nobody that's doing what he does that I've ever watched play or ever played against. I think the closest guy to Aaron Rodgers, and I'm just going off the top of my head, and, and the guy that created so many problems for us was Steve Young. But this guy, to me, the throws he makes and the decisions he makes and uh, the body position he makes some throws, it's unbelievable. I can't, I can't even, I mean, I sit there and watch him and, and say, I'm just glad I don't play against him because he'll put you on this highlight film in a heartbeat, man. It's amazing. Chris, you hit a, a talking point that Cordell and I have had a difference of opinion on, so let me frame it and then Cordell can jump in. Undeniably, okay. Tom Brady is the most accomplished quarterback of all time. Absolutely. But from my perspective, Aaron Rodgers is the best. Cordell, you disagree? How come? Well, let me help this conversation out, Chris. You know, it, it, we, we have a way of sometimes trying to put a little more sauce on top of the elite quarterback's plate. For example, we know that Aaron Rodgers has injuries up front on multiple occasions, whether it's the offensive line, whether it's the secondary, whether it's the receiving core, whether it's the makeshift of the backfield with the running backs. And then Brian loves to take that in and say he's the best to ever play the game. That's where it started. And I said, no way, no way possible could he be the best to ever play the game because you got to think of the John Elways. You got to now currently think about the Tom Brady's with how many receivers, how many offensive linemen, how many defenses, how many different coordinators he may have had. And he's continuously played on a level, regardless if he had Rob Gronkowski, regardless if he now doesn't have Julian Edelman, regardless of who he has. He consistently gets it done better than anyone we've ever seen. Now, the way Aaron Rodgers does it from an athletic standpoint, as far as the pressure is concerned, being able to be accurate when you need him to be accurate. Yes, that's about as good as it gets. But when you start talking about the greatest of all time, that is a conversation where you've got to throw Joe Montana in there. You have to throw even Dan Marino without a championship in that conversation uh, and many other quarterbacks. So I'm not saying that Aaron Rodgers is not a great quarterback. He's phenomenal. And then we had the conversation about who's the best in Green Bay's history. He has to give me another championship, Chris. I mean, I yeah. thought it was about more than one. He only has just one championship. I, I, Work with me. You know, I, I look, this is – this is. Um, I, I think there's accomplishments, Tom Brady. Uh, two of the best to ever play are Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers that are able to elevate other players to take – average players and relatively speaking they're NFL players but they're right. on that scale you're taking average players and you're turning them into productive players and Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers both elevated accomplishments being a winner being an uber competitor doing all the things that Tom Brady does 
uh, it's just all, it's inspiring and it's uh, admirable. Uh, I guess it depends on how you take the test, Cordell. Here's my test: if I want a if I want a guy on my team, and I had to choose, or if I'm a general manager, or I'm a head coach, and I got my choice of every quarterback that ever played, and this is all obviously personal opinion. Uh, for me, without hesitation, Aaron Rodgers is my guy. Yeah, he gives, you, he gives you the extra. He does give you the extra. I, I do believe that. But that Peyton Manning, how many Hall of Famers do Peyton Manning has ever wide receiver? How many? <laughs> uh, yeah, they, yeah, Marvin Harrison, right? Yeah. Would be, we'll start there. Reggie Wayne wasn't bad. Yeah. You know, so we'll start. Yeah. And uh, not not to mention the great quarterbacks. And by the way, Edron James and Marshall Falk were pretty good. Very, so very good. That obviously yeah. uh, not helped Peyton. Now, I'm not just by saying mm-hmm. you guys know this. For me, anyway, this is. Just by saying how great somebody is and how tremendous he is doesn't diminish the greatness of other people. I'm just saying, right. for me, I'm picking a guy. I go without. Go with I it. go with Aaron Rodgers yeah. all day, every day, without hesitation. Number one overall, whatever you want to call it. He's insane. I just think some of the things he does is just I've never seen before from that position. Maybe that's why I'm enamored with him. Right, he's special. I give you that. He is really special, and the things that he's able to do under pressure. Um, I, I, the thing that, that it, you know, because, of course, being a mobile quarterback, you know, you see it, you've seen yeah. it for some time, and you talk about um, the quarterback in, 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 um, in San Francisco, um, Steve Young. I'm sorry, Steve, yeah. I was having a moment. Steve Young, I mean, you get a chance to see that in those times, and you see these guys be a part of championship-winning ways. Um, but when you one component that I I am I am saying that I admire most about Aaron Rodgers, other than the obvious conversation of the best ever or one of the best ever, right. is when he moves out of the pocket, in which drives me crazy, especially when playing against the Dallas Cowboys. There is no one mirroring him. He is the most accurate quarterback in the game today. Where when under pressure, he can hit you in stride as if he's standing directly in the pocket. It's almost as if you want pressure on him all the time so he can be staying efficient throughout the game, but he does it so well, he makes it look extremely easy. And and that's the part that drives me crazy about defenses, but when you can move that fast and get away from that much, um, unless you're the Atlanta Falcons that can apply pressure on every play, like an NFC Championship game and uh, and also this year, I mean, he's going to get you every chance he gets. Yeah, and you better be solid in your back end and in, in, in man coverage because when it's third and three, third and four, you know he's you got to sit there and you got to dictate. Okay, do I put a guy, a great athlete, on here to kind of mirror and spy him? Well, once you do that, then you eliminate a guy from coverage that can help in coverage. The other, you know, then you know what I would probably try to do with him. I I, I don't know. I'd have to look at the film, but you know there'd be times where I'd mix it up in there and I'd be dropping eight and kind of keeping maybe a, a nickel back or, or put seven DBs on the field, drop eight, right. and probably put a nickel back who can run to kind of mirror him as an extra guy. I don't know. Uh, I'm going to think about that tonight, though, and I'm going to draw some <laughs> defenses. Let's <laughs> be calling the Aaron Rodgers play. How's that? There we go. It's become a chalk talk with Chris Spielman of Fox Sports getting set to call the Lions and Saints on Sunday. And, Chris, we think about all the stellar years you had in Detroit, and we know the Lions haven't won a playoff game since 1991. But when we're talking about premier quarterbacks, should we be talking more about Matthew Stafford? People focus on the contract and dealing with the foot injury this week, but it feels, at least from my perspective, like he does not get enough national credit. I love him. I think he, uh, 
he can make a lot of different throws, and we're talking about not having a lot of help. The Lions have ranked, uh, I believe, their best ranking in the last three years, and the rushing game has been 30th or something like that. Uh, you're, you know, Calvin Johnson's not there, so there's not a lot of elite wide receivers. He's been sacked 12 times um, the last two ball games. He has been sacked 18 times on a year, which is close to the league worst. Um, but I think he's a talented guy. And if he were a free agent, there would be, what, 20 off the top of my head, 25 teams lined up to sign him, maybe 26. Chris, so, yeah. when, you, when you think of uh, Adrian Peterson, um, you know, he's, he's one of the best to ever play the game. He's went to New Orleans, and we see that. He, I think he had him four games where he had a total of 81 yards, and now he gets a chance to go to Arizona. Give me your take on how do you think that ends for Adrian Peterson going to a team where he's truly needed. And I know this is a place where most older players go and they retire there in Arizona, but Bruce Aaron's a little different than what we've seen before uh, when it comes to older players coming around. Do you see him having a a solid ending there with the Arizona Cardinals? Uh, You're not going to like this answer. (laughs) I don't think. (laughs) First of all, uh, he is one of the best ever. I love Adrian Peterson. I love the way he played. He plays with his heart and soul, and he fights for every single yard. But the gig is up, man. It's done. Hit the wall. It's over. Can't make a guy miss. Can't run through tackles like he used to. Just ain't happening for him. You know, that's a that, the, the running back position is so telling. When a guy hits the wall, he hits the wall. We all can see it. You know, I can get my, ninth, my freshman daughter to see and she she hates sports, and she'd say, yep, he hit the wall, it's over, next guy. Mm. I hate to say it, but, you know, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I have too much respect for you to lie to you. And we know history tells us that most marquee running backs have a tough conclusion to their career. Chris, we enjoy your work on Fox Sports. Thanks so much for giving us a few minutes today here on the NFL on TuneIn. All right, guys, enjoyed it. Have a great day. God bless. Thank you. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Experience the excitement of the NFL as it happens with NFL First and Goal, exclusively on TuneIn Premium. From week one to week 17, jump in and out of the action every Sunday with Nick Ferguson and me taking you from game to game. We'll have home calls as teams are threatening to score. Take it to block. Brady tosses. Touchdown. Hear every big play. Hear every game-winning drop. Here's a touchdown. Here's a touchdown. Catch NFL first and goal every Sunday starting at 1 Eastern only on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now it's time to focus on today's top stories with Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. Now it's time for NFL Network reporter Ian Rappaport. It's the rap sheet on the NFL on TuneIn. Ian, always a pleasure. Thanks for taking the time. What can you tell us about Dominique rogers Cromartie showing up at the facility and then departing today? Well, here's my understanding. The situation actually started on Sunday. DRC was pulled from the game. I did not like it. Uh, and had a discussion at halftime and then after the game with Coach Ben McAdoo. It, it, it got a little heated, uh, and it really never got resolved. So when he showed up again today, they continued to have words regarding his playing time, his status, and uh, kind of the way he had been treated 
Uh, and at that point, he was suspended, I was told, and then left the facility uh, after he was informed he was suspended. And obviously for DRC, he's been a veteran in the league. He, From his perspective, he's done everything that he's been asked to do uh, with no complaints, including play the slot, which is something that was unfamiliar to him. And, you know, he just did not like the way that he was treated. Uh, said so and then was suspended for it. Ian, would you say Coach McAdoo has lost the team? I wouldn't term it like that. You know, I mean, obviously they they haven't lost, they haven't won a lot of games. Uh, that's you know that that's very clear. And uh, you have a lot of big name, big time players who are underperforming. I mean, you have you know two first round picks and a second round pick on the offensive line, which is one of the worst in football. You have first rounder in Eli Apple who is getting demoted as well. There's a lot of players who are paid a lot of money and who have a lot of pedigree who are not playing well at all. And then you lose all your, you know, basically your entire receiving core, um, you know, to, to injuries. And, you know, it seems like all of them are out, for, three at least are out for the season. Um, you know, it's tough to know whether this is an isolated incident um, or whether they're just losing games. You know, I, I, I doesn't seem to be like it's an all-out revolt. It seems to be a couple specific situations and then a lot of injuries. Taking you around the league with Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. Ian, given that Odell Beckham Jr. said this summer his goal was to become the highest-paid player in all of football, how does the ankle injury impact his contract situation heading into the offseason? It impacts it. It definitely does because, you know, if you're going to give someone that much money, you know, and it would be – you know, the highest-paid receiver in football, no doubt about it, you need to see them healthy. And I don't know when we're going to see Odell Beckham 100% healthy again. And if the Giants do a deal before that, then it really is a leap of faith. Um, so at the very least, it, it sort of moves things back a little bit um, rather than, you know, whereas like otherwise, you could have done an extension this coming March. You know, how much will you have seen from him by March? Will he be running? Will he be cutting? Will he be himself? You know, the difference between an elite, elite receiver and a very good receiver is a lot of money, um, but in reality, on the field, it's only like a split second. You know, the thing that differentiates Odell from every other receiver in the NFL is his unbelievable quickness. What if he's not 100% of that? That changes things a little bit. Some could say because Tom Coughlin is gone is, is probably why the message is being lost with this team because he kept everything under wraps. If they started off slow, they finished strong. But look what's taking place down in Jacksonville right now. I thought the, the, the changing of the gods may have happened in this game against the Steelers because that's normally how we would see the Steelers playing, creating turnovers and running the football very well. Give me your take on how good this Jacksonville team is. Well, before Jacksonville, you, know, you mentioned a Coughlin thing in New York. Odell was losing his mind against Josh Norman on the field, and Coughlin was still the head coach and didn't do anything about it. Right. Um, so, you know, by the end, it was certainly not the disciplinarian that everyone sort of remembers. Uh, but as far as Jacksonville, I mean, I think they are – their defense is legit. Their running game is legit. Their quarterback is what he is. So is that good enough to be a good team? To me, I think it is because we've seen teams in the past, especially those with dynamic defenses, if you understand who you are, which is a team that's going to play defense, run the hell out of the ball – and not turn it over, you can win like that. you just got to get everyone on the same page and understanding that. And if Blake Bortles does, then I think they could be really good because that defense is just nasty.
Hey, and let's talk about the anthem. I was the Golden State Warriors sideline reporter in 1996 when the NBA adopted their rule, players must stand for the anthem. David Stern did that unilaterally. Will the NFLPA have any input if the NFL decides to adopt the same rule? If they're going to change the CBA, no. I'm sorry, if they're going to change the CBA, yes. If they're going to change the player manual, which is what it would be, they do not need to tell and they do not need to ask permission of the NFLPA. However, I would have a hard time imagining the NFL just unilaterally decides to make a change. Players would revolt. You know, a better, a better guess is the, some players come to the meeting, they, you know, voice their opinions, the owners voice their opinions, and the league decides to have everyone stand for the anthem in exchange for some other way of players getting to express their views on social issues, inequality, police brutality, all the things that led to kneeling in the first place. And as always, we value the insights. Enjoy the rest of your day, and we'll chat with you on Sunday on NFL First and Goal on TuneIn Premium. Nice. Thank you, guys. Enjoy it. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. The passion. 15-10, The fury. Inhaled in the backfield. Sack for the Huskies. The speed. Here's the home run ball. He's out there. He catches it. The best in college football from coast to coast. Touchdown, Notre Dame. 13-0 Buckeyes. To the goal line. Touchdown, Texas. Ball's on the carpet. Georgia says we have it. He's in. Touchdown, Michigan. This is the Nissan College Football Blitz. Listen on Saturdays this fall on College Sports Now on TuneIn. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's go round the league with NFL Network analyst and three-time Super Bowl champion with the Patriots, Willie McGinnis. Willie, how are you? I'm doing great, man. How are you guys doing? We're doing better than the New York football giants, but let's talk about a team that's actually playing better, your Patriots. Watching what went down on Thursday night, did you see defensive improvement from the Patriots on the road in Tampa? Absolutely. I mean, um, that offense for Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they got a lot of firepower. Uh, they got Martin back. He ran, he ran the ball exceptionally well. I think they probably should have fed him a little bit more in the second half because they didn't have to answer for him. But as far as covering the mental errors on the back end, uh, better coverage, I saw a lot of improvement. When you talk about improvement, uh, let's go over to Kansas City and talk about Alex Smith. How improved is he? Is it improved or is it motivated? <laughs> both. Let's just say both. I mean, anytime somebody moves up, what, 12 or 17 spots to get a quarterback, it's, it's telling me right now I better step my game up. He's always been a great regular season quarterback, um, a guy that has a lot of wins, takes care of the football. But now um, what I've been screaming for for the last few years, just to see him push the ball down the field, be more aggressive, take shots, uh, don't be so conservative, especially in the playoffs or when the games are on the line. And I'm seeing a lot of that, a lot of explosive plays. Of course, they, you have to have explosive players uh, to carry that out. But, man, a lot of explosive plays. He's not hesitant anymore. I think that's key. Uh, and he's just opening up. And Andy Reid, man, is doing a great job of just – keeping the formations, personnel groups. Uh, he's mixing things up. And uh, you never know when the big threat is coming. You never know. Taking you around the league with one of the best in the business, our friend Willie McGinnis, NFL Network. Willie, let's continue to focus on the AFC West. Khalil Mack, undeniably, one of the five best defensive players in all of football. 
Why are the Raiders still having major defensive issues? Watching that game against Baltimore, Joe Flacco's been struggling this year. He carved them up on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's been a common trend. And I, I know Khalil's one of the best in the league, but that's one guy. Teams learn how to they figure out you know, how to take that guy out or slow him down. Um, this defense, man, they've been drafting defensive players and a free agency going after guys. I just don't know what the mix is or what the scheme is, if they're getting it. If Ken Norton is using the same scheme that they used in, in, in Seattle, it's not that complex. You know, they run a few coverages. Um, they get after you with the front. They do a, a, a few things, you know, uh, to mix and match on that. Not a real big blitz crazy team. Um, they just play solid coverage, and, and they get after you with their front, their front four and front seven at times. Um, now they don't have the linebackers, you know, that Seattle had. They don't have the luxury of having great cover guys that every down guys at the linebacker position. Uh, they've been drafting guys up front to get after the pass rusher and and solidify the, the, the front versus the run. Uh, I would say they got a couple guys that's doing that, but just not on a consistent basis and. Uh, a lot of breakdowns and big plays given up in the back end, too. So everything is just not going going right for the Raiders right now defensively. Willie, you come from uh, New England where you guys don't say much. You know, every, the narrative has always been created by the head coach. When you look at Ben Roethlisberger and some of the things that he said as of lately, uh, starting all the way back to last year and, and talking about practice being maybe too physical and that's why guys are getting hurt or saying he's going to retire to – all of a sudden, you know, somewhat dragging Antonio Brown under the bus uh, by saying he wasn't doing it, but yet he was doing it and being disappointed in it. But then he comes back and have a disappointing performance of throwing five INTs. How do you, as a leader on the team, if you were with the Steelers, yeah. try to make these guys understand to just do their job and allow the head coach to be the one to be the delegator when it comes to the message? I think the Patriots do a great job at that. Bill Belichick takes the run of the questions and the pressure off of the team so they don't have to answer those questions. And then the other big thing that happens in New England is they keep everything in-house. Um, you know, that, 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 I know it sounds cliche and it doesn't it, – it, 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 everybody's not, you know, all in with that. But when you keep all your issues and comments and conflicts or whatever's going on in-house and you take care of that stuff in-house – it eliminates the distraction. It eliminates the questions. It eliminates uh, the, the divide between players and coaches uh, that happens so, so, so much throughout the league. I think Ben um, is a confident dude. Uh, I, I know that for a fact. I know he has a lot of confidence in his ability. Um, he is a captain. He does have the luxury of uh, holding other players accountable, which, in our locker room, everybody had that right to hold each other accountable. But um, when A.B. kind of had the little sideline thing, it was a missed throw. It was a huge play that Ben pretty much missed. And he was frustrated. And that's not A.B. We know what kind of guy he is. Um, and if I'm Ben, I go to him and I talk to him in the locker room. We have a private conversation and we work that out. I don't go back to the media and then kind of throw that under the bus, especially when you've had character issues in the past. Now, I like Ben a lot. I understand his position. And the quarterback has to speak every single day. Whether he wants to or not, he has to go to the podium. Um, but his performance, you can do that. You can do that. But you've got to be playing on a certain level also uh, before you started calling other players out. You've got to be playing on a certain level. He just hasn't done that since 
since week one. Um, he hasn't done that all year long, but I'm sure he'll bounce back. He's a competitor, and uh, he has a lot of football left. I don't think he's ready to walk out the door and walk out on his team and just quit. Let's wrap it up with a quick thought on the Rams. You're an L.A. native, All-American at USC. I thought the Rams missed a major opportunity to make a statement against Seattle with the five turnovers losing that game. Willie, how important do you think the next month is for this team to build a connection with fans? Because you know how it works in Southern California. There's a lot going on. Dodgers in the playoffs. Buzz surrounding Lonzo Ball and the Lakers. Yeah, it is a busy place, man. You know, I grew up here in so many professional teams, but I think the Rams have done a great job at solidifying their position that they have. They're a new franchise. Um, they're energized with the new head coach, Sean McVay. Um, his, his attitude, his energy, I love it. Um, they also got to go out and prove against a good Jags team this week on the road. So that's another really good defense. They got to go out and prove. I, to me, this was a statement game between the Seahawks and the Rams. And the statement was which defense was going to show up for Seattle where they're going to get back to playing Seattle football defensively, and they did that. And I was still, I was still excited about what I saw from the Rams. They struggled in the red zone. They were 0 for 4. Didn't get an opportunity to score. But at, when they had an opportunity to go down the field and and win the football game, uh, Jared Goff and that offense did that. They just didn't come up with the big catch that could have could have ultimately won in the game. But. Um, those teams are in the division. They know each other. I expected a close game and, and a nice battle. But the Rams are for real, man. I like what I'm seeing offensively. And, and if they can just pick it up a little bit defensively, this is going to be a good team. Willie, you're the best. Thanks for the visit. And thanks again for pitching in on short notice the last time I filled in for Jim Rome. That was really a nice gesture on your part, and I appreciate you being a guest when I was sitting in the big chair. Always, man. You're always in the big chair. What are you talking about? You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Hey, it's Anthony Valadez. We have a new music channel exclusively on TuneIn, Indieclectic. It's home for the emerging and boundary-pushing artists, from soul to electronic, folk to world sounds, hip-hop to jazz. Music should inspire you. It should challenge you and make you feel some sort of way. All hand-picked gems from the likes of Nick Hakim. The bands that are featured on the record are all bands that I plan. What's next? British sensation Jaybird stopped by for a live session and a performance of her single, Cathedral. Latin alternative breakout artist HL stopped by to discuss his inspiration. There's been many phases in my life now since Harlem, but it definitely pushes me. And then going downtown, you can't get in a club, you know, you're outside and then you see like Kid Cudi going inside, you know, just seeing all that being right next to you, people rubbing shoulders, knowing that it's possible. It's all encouraging. From the record bins to the blogosphere and into your ears, it's Indieclectic, heard exclusively on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's spotlight the reigning champs from New England with Andy Hart of Patriots.com Radio. Andy, thanks for taking the time. So let's go back to Thursday. Patriots beat the Bucks, but a negative trend continued. How concerned should the Patriots be by the amount of hits Tom Brady has taken to start the season? Now he's dealing with the injury on his non-throwing shoulder. Uh, very concerned. I mean, he's on pace for 51 sacks, which would be by far the most in his career, most since he had 41 in 2001, his first year uh, as a starter, one that Cordell would like to forget, I'm sure, uh, back in the day. But, you know, this of offensive course. line hasn't played very well. And 
Um, there's not a great reason for it. They return all five starters. You have Marcus Cannon at right tackle, who you just extended. You have Nate Solder, who's coming up on a big contract as a former first-round pick. Three young guys in the middle that you've you know, drafted, developed, played over the last two or three years. You have Dante Scarnecchia. It should be better. And he's still getting hit a lot. And I know... You know, a lot of people are trying to say, well, he lost Edelman, so he lost his, his quick throws, you know, those get rid of the ball quickly to Edelman. Um, they're throwing the ball down the field more, and that's true. There's probably something to that. But they're also just allowing, you know, runaway rushers. There was a strip sack the other night in Tampa Bay that was just a runaway rusher that ran right through his back and uh, left Brady grimacing. And you know how I have him missing two days of practice here um, to start the week, getting ready for Jets week, and you know, most people assume you don't get healthier as the season goes on in the NFL. These hits, these injuries, the, the AC sprain that he reportedly is dealing with in his left shoulder, uh, they pile up. And we all know that, especially this year, with the way the defense has played, you can't afford to lose Tom Brady. And I don't care that you have Jimmy Garoppolo and you kept him around for that very reason. We all know that the best quarterback for this team is Tom Brady. The reason they are 3-2 and two and not worse right now with the way the defense has played is Tom Brady. Um, so they need to figure it out. They know it. Nate Solders talked about it openly. They need to play better. And I will say, you know, they, they impressively always stick together. You will never hear Brady say even a hint of a word negatively about his offensive line. He reiterated it today that it's on all of them to perform better as a unit. You know, get, he needs to get rid of the ball more quickly. So there'll be no finger pointing. Um, but the bottom line is they need to protect him more or what is already a shaky start to a season could get worse. Andy, when do you see them actually starting the process to, to to deal with Jimmy Garoppolo from a contract standpoint to make sure he's around just because of moments and times like this, not knowing for sure, you know, how that left shoulder is going to hold up or, or even when it comes to the sack, something else end up coming apart? You know, that's a, it's a great question, and I'm sure it's an ongoing dialogue to some degree because uh, Don Yee, his agent, is also Tom Brady's agent, and we know the Patriots have worked very well with Brady's camp and Yee over the years with sort of team-friendly deals or team, you know, deals that allow the team um, some flexibility, although Brady always got his, got a lot of guaranteed money. There were no fake contracts to Tom Brady. Um, but they've had a good working relationship with, with Yee. And my guess is they'll look to do that. But I don't think, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo wants to start. He's been very open to that. So I'm not sure, you know, a lot of people have talked about these bridge deals. Would he sign a two-year deal? I'm not sure he would. I really think the only way you may be able to keep him is to franchise him next year, and that's going to be at $24 million. So I'm not even sure it's really a discussion that needs to be had because, you know, when push comes to shove, you know, I've talked to Garoppolo. He thought for a time last year he was gone and going to be moving on and starting somewhere um, because that's what he wants. And, so I, I don't know. I'm sure they have dialogue because, as I said, the working relationship. But I think in the end, it may take a franchise tag to keep them. Andy Hart, Patriots.com radio. And you can catch all of their outstanding audio content on the Patriots team channel here on TuneIn is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Andy, during the offseason, we were talking about the myriad of moves made by the club, among them David Harris. And I know that he's 33 and the Jets cut him. But since the Patriots gave him some guaranteed money, are you surprised he's had almost no impact? Uh, somewhat, um, he was not impressive in the preseason. Uh, he looked old and slow. I'm sure that's why the Jets cut him, and that's no shot on him. You know, he had a great career. 
Um, this is the 11th season. I mean, the guy has been durable as hell, uh, tackle machine. Um, but he didn't look great in the preseason to the point where I wondered if he would make the team. And certainly $1.25 million guaranteed is a reason he may have made the team. And I think he's going to collect you know, nearly $3 million this year. But he hasn't played. He hasn't found an ability to get on the field. He's played a total of seven snaps, has not played a single snap in the kicking game, uh, was active and dressed but did not play a single snap this week. That was a week after he was a healthy scratch. And, you know, even Bill Belichick has said, you know, David's asked, uh, done everything we've asked him to do, couldn't ask for a better attitude. And I think that's not just coach speak. I think that's probably genuine. I don't think it's a fit issue or learn the scheme issue. I think it's an issue as to what he has left in the tank. And my guess is they, they look back on that now, that signing, as a mistake and that he just doesn't have physically left what they hoped he could still bring to the table. Um, so unless things change, I mean, they haven't played very well against the run. Um, Alandon Roberts is a second-year linebacker who's played a good chunk of the snaps but has been in and out of the lineup a little bit with injuries. Harris still hasn't really gotten on the field. You know, Harvey Long, he's an undrafted rookie. He's been inactive every week. Um, so, you know, there's been an opportunity if you were going to play David Harris to play him. So I, I'm not sure what changes. Um, and it's almost to the point where I'll, I'll sort of be surprised if David Harris makes it through the season and is on the roster all year. Give me a take on Brandon Cooks. How things are, are going with him? I know he's had a few nicks on his body, uh, but yet he still comes out and he produces very well, obviously catching some really great balls from Tom Brady. Their relationship seem like it's getting better. How's he doing so far? Are they adding any more pieces to the puzzle to help out that receiving core? Good, not great. Um, you know, he's put up good numbers. I think he's in the top 10 in yardage, and he's made some big plays. Um, but they've not quite clicked, and I think it was unfair expectations, probably by me. I raved about him. I thought he looked great on the practice field. And, you know, Robert Kraft back in the spring, you know, made the comparison to Randy Moss as, you know, bringing in that type of an impact athlete. Not necessarily that he was going to have 23 touchdowns, break the record, but that he could be that dynamic playmaker. And that aspect has just been missing a little bit. Um, you know, he's, he's, they have had struggles on short routes. Anytime Cooks has run slants or in-cuts, um, they haven't looked quite right. You know, the, he's dropped a couple. Um, and Tom's missed him on some, some throws a little bit more down the field. He was uh, wide open against the Panthers down the seam, and Brady just missed him. It was just a bad throw at his feet. Um, there was a throw in the in the New Orleans game where he actually made it the reception, but it should have been an easy touchdown, and Cooks ended up sort of stumbling and coming back for the ball and catching it on the one. So it's been good, but it hasn't been perfect. There's certainly room for growth, and I know um, everyone has raved about Cooks in terms of his attitude and the way he's fit in and you know the way he's approached becoming a Patriot in the quote-unquote Patriot way. So I, I assume there will be improvement there. Um, but, you know, there is room for improvement. I think they can be better. And when that happens, that's only going to add to this, this offense that, you know, has all the other weapons sort of in place with Rob Gronkowski when he's healthy and out there. Um, with Danny Amendola and Chris Hogan and James White, they, you know, the opportunity will be there for Cooks to make some more plays, even though he's, he's been decent to start the year. Andy, let's wrap it up with something a bit esoteric, but you can handle it. Jets and Patriots this week. Let's jump into the hot tub time machine. How do you think history would have been different if Bill Belichick had decided to keep the Jet head coaching job for more than 24 hours? That is a great question. Um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know that it would have worked in New York with the media and his personality and not having Tom Brady 
as his quarterback? Um, it's a really interesting question because, you know, I think Bill Belichick, quite frankly, was on the ropes in New England in, you know, week two, week three of 2001 when Drew Bledsoe got hurt. And he's coming off a 5-11 and season. He's 0-2. His quarterback's hurt. And then Brady and everything took off. The dynasty came, and they worked so well together. Um, but with, with Belichick's personality in New York, and I know he was an assistant there, but that's different than doing press conferences in New York and being on the back pages every day with the Jets. And, you know, is Chad Pennington his quarterback, and how does that play out? You know, the, sort of the butterfly effect, I guess you will. Um, so I wonder. I, you know, I wonder if the greatness of Bill Belichick ever would have been able to sort of come to fruition in New York without Brady under that spotlight. So it's a great question. It'd be a great, I don't know, book or short story for somebody to write and try to pretend um, that it did play out that way. But um, certainly New England fans are glad that it played out this way and he ended up in Foxborough. I'm sure Stephen King can crank out a novella. The answer is Cordell would have a ring <laughs> if Bill Belichick had stayed in New York. Got that right. Yeah. That I, I think that is a fair, uh, that would be part of the story. If you wrote it with Bill in New York, I think uh, Cordell has a ring and that would be great. Wishes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my partner's getting forlorn, so we have to wrap it up. Thank you, Andy. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll chat with you next week on the NFL on TuneIn. All right, sounds good. Thanks, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Experience the excitement of the NFL as it happens with NFL First and Goal, exclusively on TuneIn Premium. From week one to week 17, jump in and out of the action every Sunday with Nick Ferguson and me taking you from game to game. We'll have home calls as teams are threatening to score. Take it to block. Brady tosses. Touchdown! Hear every big play. Hear every game-winning drop. Is a touchdown. a touchdown. Catch NFL first and goal every Sunday starting at 1 Eastern only on TuneIn. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We roll on on NFL No Huddle, the podcast. It's time for Cordell and I to detail the teams we are more than sure are better than the rest. It takes a unique ability to navigate the topsy-turvy National Football League. Drop down, get your eagle on on this one. A special vision to find clarity in an always changing sport. I was wrong. Brian and Cordell aren't just sure about their perspectives. They are more than sure. I'm more than sure. All right, partner, no filibuster out of yours truly today. I will be more concise and a preview of what's coming up. I had Philadelphia number five last week. They're moving on up like George and Wheezy. But at number five this week, the reigning world champs. Yes, the Patriots have issues. I'm watching them. But they're 3-2. and two. They're going to beat the Jets on Sunday to raise their record to 4-2. and two. And the good news going back to Thursday Night Football was gradual defensive improvement on the road in Tampa Bay. Rob Gronkowski getting healthier after he missed that game with a groin injury. Patriots slowly trending in the right direction. They're the fifth best team in all of football. Rest of the way, other than the Chiefs, we're spotlighting the NFC at number four, Carolina. Impressive road victories back-to-back weeks in New England and Detroit Cam Newton has came alive and they're starting to utilize Christian McCaffrey a lot to like when it comes to the Panthers we'll learn more about them tomorrow when they host the Eagles Carolina number four number three the Green Bay Packers some have called Aaron Rodgers the best current quarterback in all of football I'll reserve judgment for now an emerging star in the backfield, perhaps, in Aaron Jones. 
Packers 4-1 quality team. They're going to win that division. They might represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. Stay tuned for more information. Green Bay at number three. And number two, the Philadelphia Eagles. Fly, Eagles, fly. Yeah, I said it. Four and one the record. Dig into the numbers. Top five in running the football. Top five in run defense. Carson Wentz is the best young quarterback in all of football. Tough test tomorrow, but they're going to win on the road in Carolina to justify my placing them at number two. Number one, of course, the Kansas City Chiefs. So counting them down. Patriots, Panthers, Packers, Eagles, Chiefs. Back to you. All right. I could, I could deal with that. I mean, that's respectable. I, I give you a shot at that one. But I'm going to shock the world right now at number five. And, and I'm going to be a homer on this one. But um, And it's not the Pittsburgh Steelers, by the way. They're, they're struggling so bad right now. They might even be in the top 32. You might have put in the top 34. They haven't got to the two extra expansion teams yet. But at my number five team, I'm going with the Denver Broncos. And it leads, I'm starting off with a defense that's playing by as good of a defense it comes down to in the National Football League when it comes to being able to create turnovers, being able to get to the quarterback. Offensively, they're playing with a ton of action, meaning they're running the football well with C.J. Anderson, Jamal Charles. Uh, You have their quarterback that actually is doing really well when it comes down to it. When It's not even Paxton Lynch that's in the mix. It's not Brock Osweiler. What's their quarterback's name? I'm trying to remember his name again. What is this guy's name, Brian? I'm really asking a question. What is his name? Oh, I Trevor you were doing Simeon. A That's yes. him. Trevor, Trevor Simeon S- from Northwestern. Trevor Simeon from Northwestern, the kid from Northwestern, who I think is doing a really good job. Uh, in my number four spot, I'm going with the Green Bay Packers. The only reason I have them at number four is because I want to see more from them with all the issues they're having up front. But hey, you know what? At 4-1 and one right now, that's a really good place to be. I mean, it's not a bad place to be at number four at all. But the team I do have at number three is the Carolina Panthers. I just love the way they're playing football right now. They're scoring points. The quarterback is putting up over 300 points, 300 yards, excuse me, passing over the last two games. You mentioned Christian McCaffrey. They're getting him involved. You have Jonathan Stewart getting involved. Uh, you have the receiving core with Calvin Benjamin that's taking that's taking charge and getting it done. I really like what I see from them. Tight end positions without Greg Olson. Guys are filling in extremely well. I love what I see from that football team in the Carolina Panthers. We've seen this action from them before. As far as the physicality is concerned, they're a more physical team than I think the Green Bay Packers is across the board. When you look at number two, I'll go with the Philadelphia Eagles at number two. I love what I've seen from, I'm seeing from Carson Wentz. I know Darren Sproles is not in the mix, but you see like Garrett Blunt running the ball between the tackles, boom, 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 just running over people, just getting it done. The receivers on the outside are playing well. Defensively, they're getting it done. They're beating the running backs at the line of scrimmage at the point of attack. Secondary is playing well. I just think overall right now, this is Carson Wentz's football team, and I love the way he's actually coming into his own in the second year with believing in himself, but most importantly, the guys around him are playing well. But the thing that I really love most, other than Carson Palmer, Carson Wentz, excuse me, and everything I just mentioned, is LeCarrie Blunt. He's looked like he's really taking charge of being physical. You get the people out there in the land of brotherly love out there in Philadelphia, you get them excited, you get them feeling good. They're playing physical football. The Giants is out of the equation. They now have to compete against the Cowboys. They've finally seen an opportunity to say, fight, Eagles, fight. Yeah, 
And so when you have that conversation going on right now and the energy is moving and it's booming, probably take it back to the draft out there in Philly. I would love to go back to Philadelphia, get another cheese stick, Philly cheese stick sandwich. I like Philadelphia at number two. And number one, Kansas City Chiefs and the home of the Chiefs. This team is playing some of the best football of any team in the National Football League right now, today, cohesively across the board. Alex Smith is playing MVP caliber football. If you had to take a vote today on who's the most valuable player in the National Football League, I would go with Alex Smith. I don't know about everyone else, but I'm drinking a Kool-Aid and it's cherry, by the way. It's red, just like the uniforms are. Tariq Hill, Kareem Hunt, Justin Houston, Eric Murray filling in for Eric Barry. Getting it done on every level. Travis Kelsey may not be involved in this game because of the concussion. He actually sustained his last game. But you know what? Even Travis Kelsey gets a nod from me, regardless if he's out or not. Playing really good football. Last but not least, the guy number 11, Alex Smith, is just taking the world by storm. He's got 11 touchdowns in the air, one on the ground. Guy is really playing lights out football. Last time a guy was playing this good, he became the MVP of the league. He had one more touchdown in 12. That was in the quarterback in, what's his name? Uh, that Matt Ryan kid, right? Yeah. That was him. Yeah, Matt Ryan. Yeah, that guy. So I'm looking forward to seeing that happen for Alex Smith. But here it is. Denver at number five. Green Bay at number four. Carolina Panthers at number two. Fight, Eagles, fight. At number two, and last but not least, and the home of the Chiefs is at number one. Back to you. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. And we'll be right back with more after this. The 11th Hour with Brian Williams. Tomorrow's headlines before they go to print. I've just been handed some great reporting. Tomorrow's questions before anyone's asked them. Could you make an obstruction case? Tomorrow's conversation tonight. Who is there to stand up to the boss and speak truth to power? Not a single person. The 11th Hour with Brian Williams. More than the day that was, it's the day that will be. Weeknights at 11 Eastern on MSNBC. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, it's time for the Fantasy Fix with Nick Mencio from RotoWorld.com. Fantasy football has become a major reality for millions of fans. Makes him off to the 30, he's gone! He's gone, what a move! It takes skill to win your fantasy championship, separating the zeros. He goes to the near side, and it's picked up! From the fantasy heroes. Down the middle, it's caught over the shoulder in the end zone. Buckle up your chin strap for the fantasy fix. And today we are pleased to be joined by Nick Mencio from RotoWorld.com. Nick, let's start with Thursday Night Football. It is the Eagles and the Panthers. Three weeks ago, the conversation was, what's wrong with Cam Newton? Based on what you've seen the last two weeks, are you riding with Cam for the rest of the season? Man, I remember you asking me that question last week after that, or a couple weeks back after that Saints game too, and we, we were all just completely off cam, but he's looked like, I mean, he's looked like a new guy the past two weeks. I mean, this matchup against the Eagles looks great on paper. He's played well the past two weeks against the Patriots and the Lions, so you couldn't ask for a better spot for Cam Newton on Thursday night. The only thing that would be concerning for me is the short week with the, with the sore shoulder still, but I mean, I'm running cam out there every week right now. Nick, are there any players right now you would either trade away uh, while their value is really high or try to acquire since their value is currently low? 
A couple of uh, sell highs that really come to mind are, are Chris Thompson, the running back from the Redskins. I mean, he's, he's scoring a lot of touchdowns lately. He doesn't get carries, though, and he doesn't really get targeted a whole lot in the past game, but I'd maybe try to sell, sell high on him. He's a top 15 running back right now. And then Will Fuller is another one. He scored two touchdowns in each of the two games he's played in right now. I mean, his value is sky high right now. I mean, he's a huge, huge deep threat, huge big play machine, but he's not going to be scoring touchdowns every week like he is right now. Nick, I gave up fantasy football because I'm trying to get a life, and I hated being desperate. Oh, my goodness, I need a quarterback. So let's empathize with people in a tough spot. Just looking for any answer with Week 6 coming up tomorrow. How about Kevin Ogan, who was a catalyst second half, albeit in a loss because we're talking about Cleveland, they always lose, to the Jets. On the road in Houston because the Texans' defense now battered with injuries. No J.J. Watt, no Whitney Merciless. Yeah, I don't know if I can really get behind this Kevin Hogan thing. Uh, <laughs> I was trying, really... Nick. I'm looking to be creative here. No, I know. It's, it's a bad week for trying to find quarterbacks on the on the waiver wire for sure. But maybe if I had a choice between guys like Kevin Hogan and Case Keenum, maybe I'd go Case Keenum for sure at home against the Packers, a, a potential shootout with that bad Packers defense. And maybe even a Jacoby Brissett uh, on the road in Tennessee. Tennessee's had a bad secondary all year. He had a good game last week against, against the 49ers, so I'd maybe look at those guys before before Hogan. Nick, Adrian Peterson joined the New Orleans Saints with all intended purposes to basically add to the running game, but now that he's with the Cardinals, uh, happy for him. Uh, what do you think his value can be right now? Yeah, extremely happy for Peterson. Rather, get out of get out of New Orleans, get into a, a situation where they're going to use him. But the problem is that Arizona line is just so bad right now. They're they're super banged up on the left side with Mikey Potty and DJ Humphreys battling injuries all first month of the season. Uh, they can't block for Carson Palmer right now, but they need to run the ball. So I'd expect Peterson to get 12 to 15 carries minimum per week, and that's obviously more than uh, he got in New Orleans, and I'd be picking him up anywhere, I had, anywhere he's available. Talking fantasy football with our pal Nick Mencio, rotoworld.com. Nick, for defensive outlook week by week, it's all about matchups. Would you try this logic as we're trying to find an edge, say, a month from now? Giants are not going to win a lot of games. They have no (laughs) receivers. Would you take the opposing defense against the Giants, irrespective of other things going on, just knowing the Giants aren't going to score? Oh man, you got to no. The receivers were all they had on offense before those in, that rash of injuries last week. They didn't have a running game. They don't have an offensive line. Eli Manning is what thirty seven, thirty eight years old. Can't move. Uh, the, the the Giants implied team total for Vegas this week is fourteen points in Denver. That's the lowest implied team total I've seen all season, and I don't expect it to get much better at all. They're running guys like Roger Lewis, Tavares King out there. Uh, I, I mean, they have no weapons at all besides Evan Ingram. Kickers are players, too. Sometimes people forget that. You know, they wear uniforms. They put on helmets. They put on shoulder pads. Same pants, same shoes. But when they're new to a team like uh, Patrick Murray is to the Bucs, uh, do you judge them um, by the expected offensive output? Yeah, completely. Uh, I'm just playing matchups, matchups with kickers every week. Uh, I'm just looking at the teams that are projected to score the most that week and running out to grab those guys like Matt Bryant this weekend, Atlanta, uh, Dustin Hopkins for the Redskins. Uh, those are a couple names that come straight off the top of my head that are on teams that are projected to score a lot this week. We love nicknames. I work with the man they call Slash. How about the muscle hamster? Doug Martin, who looked good coming back from the suspension in the loss to the Patriots on Thursday. What's the outlook for Martin moving forward, and what's the impact on Jaquiz Rogers? 
Oh yeah, Martin looked great last Thursday night. He's had ten days to ten days to get right again. Coming off, uh, he admitted he his conditioning was a little out of whack coming off that four game suspension, but or was it three games? It was, I think it was three. But anyway, he looked great uh, hitting the hole fast. He looks trimmed down a little bit from last year. Uh, I mean, I'm running with Doug Martin as a high RB two the rest of the way. I mean, the running back position has just been completely gutted by injuries lately, and then Martin's one of the best assets we got right now. Is Duke Johnson finally going to get the continuous role in Cleveland he deserves? Yeah, Duke's looked great. He scored a touchdown in three straight weeks, but he scored one touchdown, I believe, in his first two seasons combined. I mean, we can't expect him to keep it up scoring a touchdown every week right now, and he's not getting carries really, but he did get a goal line carry two weeks ago, put it in the end zone, and Isaiah Crowell has just not looked like the, the back we saw last year, and Hugh Jackson seems to be souring on him a little bit. They need playmakers there. Duke's a playmaker. He's a top 10 running back in fantasy right now. But, I mean, we can't expect him to keep this up, but I'd be holding on to him for sure. Nick, what advice do you have for owners who were riding high with Todd Gurley? Think about that spectacular game he had on the road in Dallas. He was the Rams' leading receiver. Early fumble, freaky play on Sunday against Seattle, and then he was benched, seemingly. Do you think that was a one-week situation or something worthy of conversation here? Yeah, I think it's a one-week thing. They were trying to get Tavon Austin a couple more carries, and did he score? I think I believe he scored a touchdown last week. Uh, Tavon did. Tavon did on the jet sweep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And uh, I, it's a one one-week thing for me. Uh, the Rams going to Jacksonville this week. Jacksonville's pass defense has been great. Uh, their run defense, not so much. I, I like Gurley to bounce back big this week. After seeing the Patriots take Mike Evans. Out of that game, and, and then seeing how bad they were after that, do you expect more teams to do that? And what is the value of Evans moving forward? I was super high on Evans before the season, top five receiver in my mind. Uh, I'm still on that train, uh, but this week is going to be rough. I, th- I expect them to get that Patrick Peterson shadow coverage down in Arizona. Uh, I'd still ride high with Evans the rest of the way, but Deshaun Jackson looks like he's going to be in for a big game this week, running against Justin Bethel on the opposite side of Peterson. Nick, as always, we appreciate the insight. As we say goodbye, Cordell has NFL money, and I'm trying to be his financial analyst so I get a piece of it. Can we come up with a million-dollar idea? You can work on the technology, and then we'll brand it on the show. Why can't there be a viable college football version of fantasy football? I know it's out there, but it's weird. Why can't we do something that parallels the NFL? Yeah, I'm actually in my first college football fantasy league right now. It's a 50-team league, 5-0, and we play uh, 10 teams per conference with two conferences in each division, and it's super fun. I love it a lot. Uh, I know FanDuel and DraftKings used to have college football on uh, their sites, but they had to take that away for some reason. I can't, I don't know about the law of it and all that, but I'm totally with you. I love college football fantasy. All right, we're going to work more on it. because of the numbers being so big? Yeah, I mean, quarterbacks are just scoring a ton of points. I have the Navy quarterback on my team. He rushes for like 250 yards a game, three or four touchdowns. It's kind of like you, Cordell, back in the day. But Watch it. I mean, yes, sir. <laughs> it sounds Good cool. Times. All right, so once we have the idea, Cordell will write the check, and we just got to get the word slash involved. All right, Nick? Perfect. Beautiful. Man. All right, we got Appreciate the deal you, done. Nick. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. Tune in your everything audio app.